0: Chapter 2 of A Visit to Three Fronts, June 1916. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dave Gillespie A Visit to Three Fronts, June 1916, by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. A Glimpse of the Italian Army one meets with such extreme kindness and consideration among the Italians that there is a real danger, lest one's personal feeling of obligation should warp one's judgment or hamper one's expression. Making every possible allowance for this, I come away from them, after a very wide if superficial view of all that they are doing, with a deep feeling of admiration and a conviction that no army in the world, could have made a braver attempt to advance under conditions of extraordinary difficulty first a word as to the italian soldier he is a type by himself which differs from the earnest solidarity of the new french army and from the business-like alertness of the Briton. and yet has a very special dash and fire of its own covered over by a very pleasing and unassuming manner london has not yet forgotten durando of marathon fame He was just such another easily smiling youth as I now see everywhere around me. Yet there came a day when a hundred thousand Londoners hung upon his every movement, when strong men gasped and women wept at his invincible but unavailing spirit, when he had fallen senseless in that historic race on the very threshold of his goal. So high was the determination within him that while he floundered on the track, like a broken-backed horse with the senses gone out of him, his legs still continued to drum upon the cinder path. Then, when by pure willpower he staggered to his feet and drove his dazed body across the line, it was an exhibition of pluck which put the little sunburned baker straightaway among London's heroes. Durando's spirit is alive today. I see thousands of him all around me a thousand such led by a few young gentlemen of the type who occasionally give us object lessons in how to ride at olympia make no mean battalion it has been a war of most desperate ventures but never once has there been a lack of volunteers the tyrolese are good men too good to be fighting in so rotten a cause but from the first to last the alpine have had the ascendancy in the hill fighting as the line regiments have against the kaiserlichs upon the plain. Caesar told how the big Germans used to laugh at his little men until they had been at hand-grips with them. The Austrians could tell the same tale. The spirit in the ranks is something marvellous. There have been occasions when every officer has fallen, and yet the men have pushed on, have taken a position, and have then waited for official directions. But if that is so, you will ask, why is it? That they have not made more impression upon the enemy's position the answer lies in the strategical position of italy and it can be discussed without any technicalities a child could understand it the alps form such a bar across the north that there are only two points where serious operations are possible one is the Tretino salient where austria can always threaten and invade italy she lies in the mountains with the plains beneath her She can always invade the plain, but the Italians cannot seriously invade the mountains, since the passes would only lead to other mountains beyond. Therefore, their only possible policy is to hold the Austrians back. This they have most successfully done, and though the Austrians, with the aid of a shattering, heavy artillery, have recently made some advance, it is perfectly certain that they can never really carry out any serious invasion the italians then have done all that could be done in this quarter there remains the other front the opening by the sea here the italians had a chance to advance over a front of plain bounded by a river with hills beyond they cleared the plain they crossed the river they fought a battle very like our own battle of the Aisne upon the slopes of the hills taking twenty thousand austrian prisoners and now they are faced by barbed wire machine guns cemented trenches and every other device which has held them as it has held everyone else but remember what they have done for the common cause and be grateful for it they have in a year occupied some forty austrian divisions and relieved our russian allies to that very appreciable extent they have killed or wounded a quarter of a million taken forty thousand and drawn to themselves a large portion of the artillery that is their record up to date and to the future it is very easy to prophesy they will continue to absorb large enemy armies neither side can advance far as matters stand but if the russians advance and austria has to draw her men to the east there will be a tiger spring for trieste if manhood can break the line then i believe the durandos will do it trieste o morte i saw chalked upon walls all over north italy this is the italian objective and they are excellently led. Cadorna is an old Roman, a man cast in the big simple mould of antiquity, frugal in his tastes, clear in his aims, with no thought outside his duty. Everyone loves and trusts him. Poro, the chief of the staff, who was good enough to explain the strategical position to me, struck me as a man of great clearness of vision. Middle-sized, straight as a dart, with an eagle face grained and colored like an old walnut the whole of the staff work is as experts assure me most excellently done so much for the general situation let me descend for a moment to my own trivial adventures since leaving the british front of france i hope to say more in the future and so i will pass at a bound to padua where it appeared that the austrian front had politely advanced to meet me for i was wakened betimes in the morning by the dropping of bombs the rattle of anti-aircraft guns and the distant rat-a-tat of a maxim high up in the air i heard when i came down later that the intruder had been driven away and that little damage had been done the work of the austrian aeroplanes is however very aggressive behind the italian lines for they have the great advantage that a row of fine cities lies at their mercy while the Italians can do nothing without injuring their own kith and kin across the border. This dropping of explosives on the chance of hitting one soldier among fifty victims seems to me the most monstrous development of the whole war, and the one which should be most sternly repressed in future international legislation, if such a thing as international law still exists. The Italian headquarter town, which I will call Naminie, was a particular victim of these murderous attacks. I speak with some feeling as not only was the ceiling of my bedroom shattered some days before my arrival, but a greasy patch with some black shreds upon it was still visible above my window, which represented part of the remains of an unfortunate workman who had been blown to pieces immediately in front of the house. The air defence is very skilfully managed, however, and the Italians have the matter well in hand my first experience of the italian line was at the portion which i have called the gap by the sea otherwise the isono front from a mound behind the trenches an extraordinary fine view can be got of the austrian position the general curve of both lines being marked as in flanders by the sausage balloons which float behind them the isonzo which has been bravely carried by the italians lay in front of me a clear blue river as broad as the thames at hampton court in a hollow to my left were the roofs of Gorizia, the town which the italians are endeavouring to take a long desolate ridge the carso extends to the south of the town and stretches down nearly to the sea the crest is held by the austrians and the italian trenches have been pushed within fifty yards of them a lively bombardment was going on from either side but so far as the infantry goes there is none of that constant malignant petty warfare with which we are familiar in flanders i was anxious to see the italian trenches in order to compare them with our british methods but save for the support and communication trenches i was courteously but firmly warned off the story of trench attack and defence is no doubt very similar in all quarters but i am convinced that close touch should be kept between the allies on the matter of new inventions. The quick Latin brain may conceive and test an idea long before we do. At present, there seems to be very imperfect sympathy. As an example, when I was on the British lines, they were dealing with a method of clearing barbed wire. The experiments were new and were causing great interest. But on the Italian front, I found that the same system had been tested for many months. In the use of bulletproof jackets for engineers and other men who have had to do exposed work the Italians are also ahead of us. One of their engineers at our headquarters might give some valuable advice. At present, the Italians have, as I understand, no military representative within our armies, while they receive a British general with a small staff. This seems very wrong, not only from the point of view of courtesy and justice, but also because Italy has no direct means of knowing the truth about our great development. When Germans state that our new armies are made of paper, our allies should have some official assurance of their own that this is false. I can understand our keeping neutrals from our headquarters, but surely our allies should be on another footing. Having got this general view of the position, I was anxious in the afternoon to visit Malfacone, which is the small dockyard captured from the Austrians on the Adriatic my kind italian officer-guides did not recommend the trip as it was part of their great hospitality to shield their guest from any part of that danger which they were always ready to incur themselves the only road to Monfalcani ran close to the austrian position at the village of Ronchi, and afterwards kept parallel to it for some miles i was told that it was only on odd days that the austrian guns were active in this particular section so determined to trust to luck that this might not be one of them. It proved, however, to be one of the worst on record, and we were not destined to see the dockyard to which we started. The civilian cuts a ridiculous figure when he enlarges upon small adventures which may come his way, adventures which the soldier endures in silence as part of his everyday life. On this occasion, however, the episode was all our own, and had a sporting flavor in it which made it dramatic i know now the feeling of tense expectation with which the driven grouse whirs onward toward the butt i have been behind the butt before and it is only poetic justice that i should see the matter from the other point of view as we approached raunchy we could see shrapnel breaking over the road in front of us but we had not yet realized that it was precisely for vehicles that the austrians were waiting and that they had the range marked out to a yard we went down the road all out at a steady fifty miles an hour the village was near and it seemed that we had got past the place of danger we had in fact just reached it at this moment there was a noise as if the whole four tires had gone simultaneously a most terrific bang in our very ears merging into a second sound like a reverberating blow upon an enormous gong As I glanced up, I saw three clouds immediately above my head, two of them white and the other of a rusty red. The air was full of flying metal, and the road, as we were told afterward by an observer, was all churned up by it. The metal base of one of the shells was found plumb in the middle of the road just where our motor had been. There is no use telling me Austrian gunners can shoot. I know better. It was our pace that saved us the motor was an open one and the three shells burst according to one of my italian companions who was himself an artillery officer about ten meters above our heads they threw forward however and we traveling at so great a pace shot from under before they could get in another we had swung round the curve and under the lee of a house the good colonel b wrung my hand in silence they were both distressed these good soldiers under the impression that they had led me into danger as a matter of fact it was i who owed them an apology since they had enough risks in the way of business without taking others in order to gratify the whim of a joyrider Barbarici and Claricetti. this record will convey to you my remorse our difficulties were by no means over we found an ambulance lorry and the little group of infantry huddled under the same shelter with the expression of people who had been caught in the rain. The road beyond was under heavy fire, as well as that by which we had come. Had the Ostrobotches dropped a high explosive upon us, they would have had a good mixed bag. But apparently they were only out for fancy shooting, and disdained a sitter. Presently there came a lull, and the lorry moved on, but we soon heard a burst of firing, which showed that they were after it. My companions had decided that it was out of the question for us to finish our excursion. We waited for some time, therefore, and were able finally to make our retreat on foot, being joined later by the car. So ended my visit to Monfalcone, the place I did not reach. I hear the two ten thousand-ton steamers were left on stocks there by the Austrians, but were disabled before they retired. Their cabin basins and other fittings are now adorning the Italian dugouts. My second day was devoted to a view of the Italian mountain warfare in the Carnic Alps. Besides the two great fronts, one of defense, Trentino, and one of offense, Isonzo, there are very many smaller valleys which have to be guarded. The total frontier line is over 400 miles, and it has all to be held against raids if not invasions it is a most picturesque business far up in the rocolana valley i found the alpini outposts backed by artillery which had been brought into the most wonderful positions they have taken eight-inch guns where a tourist could hardly take his knapsack neither side can ever make serious progress but there are continual duels gun against gun or alpini against jagger in a little wayside house was the brigade headquarters and here i was entertained to lunch it was a scene that i shall remember they drank to england i raised my glass to italia irredenta might it soon be ridenta they all sprang to their feet and the circle of dark faces flashed into flame they keep their souls and emotions these people i trust that ours may not become atrophied by self-suppression The Italians are a quick, high-spirited race, and it is very necessary that we should consider their feelings, and that we should show our sympathy with what they have done, instead of making querulous and unreasonable demands on them. In some ways they are in a difficult position. The war is made by their splendid king, a man of whom everyone speaks with extraordinary reverence and love, and by the people. The people, with the deep instinct of a very old civilization, understand that the liberty of the world and their own national existence are really at stake. But there are several forces which divide the strength of the nation. There is the clerical, which represents the old Guelph, or German spirit, looking upon Austria as the eldest daughter of the church, a daughter who is little credit to her mother. Then there is the old nobility, Finally, there are the commercial people, who through the great banks or other similar agencies have got into the influence and employ of the Germans. When you consider all this, you will appreciate how necessary it is that Britain should in every possible way, moral and material, sustain the National Party. Should by any evil chance the others gain the upper hand There might be a very sudden and sinister change in the international situation. Every man who does, says, or writes a thing which may in any way alienate the Italians is really, whether he knows it or not, working for the King of Prussia. They are a grand people, striving most efficiently for the common cause, with all the dreadful disabilities which an absence of coal and iron entails it is for us to show that we appreciate it justice as well as policy demands it the last day spent upon the italian front was in the trattino from verona a motor drive of about twenty five miles takes one up the valley of the Adige, and past the place of evil augury for the austrians the field of rivoli as one passes up the valley one appreciates that on their left wing The Italians have position after position in the spurs of the mountains before they could be driven into the plain. If the Austrians could reach the plain, it would be to their own ruin, for the Italians have large reserves. There is no need for any anxiety about the Trentino. The attitude of the people behind the firing line should give one confidence. I had heard that the Italians were a nervous people. It does not apply to this part of Italy as i approached the danger spot i saw rows of large fat gentlemen with long thin black cigars leaning against walls in the sunshine the general atmosphere would have steadied an epileptic italy is perfectly sure of herself in this quarter finally after a long drive of winding gradients always beside the adige we reached ala where we interviewed the commander of the sector a man who has done splendid work during the recent fighting By all means, you can see my front, but no motor-car, please. It draws fire, and others may be hit beside you. We proceeded on foot, therefore, along a valley which branched at the end into two passes. In both, very active fighting had been going on, and as we came up, the guns were baying merrily, waking most extraordinary echoes in the hills. It was difficult to believe that it was not thunder, there was one terrible voice that broke out from time to time in the mountains, the angry voice of the Holy Roman Empire. When it came, all other sounds died down into nothing. It was, so I was told, the master gun, a vast 42-centimeter giant, which brought down the pride of Liège and Namur. The Austrians have brought one or more from Innsbruck. The Italians assured me, however, as we have ourselves discovered, that in trench work, beyond a certain point, The size of the gun makes little matter. We passed a burst dugout by the roadside where a tragedy had occurred recently, for eight medical officers were killed in it by a single shell. There was no particular danger in the valley, however, and the aimed fire was all going across us to the fighting lines in the two passes above us. That to the right, the valley of the Beulah, had seen some of the worst of the fighting, these two passes form the italian left wing which is held firm all through so has the right wing it is only the center which has been pushed in by the concentrated fire when we arrived at the spot where the two valleys forked we were halted and we were not permitted to advance to the advanced trenches which lay upon the crests above us there was about a thousand yards between the adversaries I have seen types of some of the Bosnian and Croatian prisoners, men of poor physique and intelligence, but the Italians speak with chivalrous praise of the bravery of the Hungarians and of the Austrian Jaeger. Some of their proceedings disgust them, however, and especially the fact that they use Russian prisoners to dig trenches under fire. There is no doubt of this, as some of the men were recaptured and were sent on to join their comrades in France. On the whole, however, it may be said that in the Austro-Italian war, there is nothing which corresponds with the extreme bitterness of our Western conflict. The presence or absence of the Hun makes all the difference. Nothing could be more cruel cool or methodical than the Italian arrangements on the Trentino front. There are no troops who would not have been forced back by the Austrian fire. It corresponded with the French experience at Verdun, or ours at the Second Battle of Ypres. It may well occur again if the Austrians get their guns forward, but at such a rate it would take them a long time to make any real impression. One cannot look at the officers and men without seeing that their spirit and confidence are high. In answer to my inquiry, they assure me that there is little difference between the troops of the northern provinces and those of the south even among the snows of the alps they tell me that the sicilians give an excellent account of themselves that night found me back at verona and next morning i was on my way to paris where i hope to be privileged to have some experiences at the front of our splendid allies i leave italy with a deep feeling of gratitude for the kindness shown to me and of admiration for the way in which they are playing their part in the world's fight for freedom they have every possible disadvantage economic and political but in spite of it they have done splendidly three thousand square kilometers of the enemy's country are already in their possession they relieve to a very great extent the pressure upon the russians who in spite of all their bravery might have been overwhelmed last summer during the dirtsbruch had it not been for the diversion of so many austrian troops The time has come now when Russia, by her advance on the Prepet, is repaying her debt. But the debt is common to all the Allies. Let them bear it in mind. There has been mischief done by slighting criticism and by inconsiderate words. A warm, sympathetic hand-grasp of congratulation is what Italy has deserved, and it is both justice and policy to give it. End of A Glimpse of the Italian Army Recording by Dave Gillespie, Ashland, Kentucky.